Well, good evening. Welcome to Long Hill Baptist Church Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to start with number 548. More love to thee, the first, second, and last verse. More love thee, O Christ, more love to thee. Hear thou the prayer I make on bended knee. This is my earnest plea, more love, O Christ, to thee, more love to thee, more love to thee. Once earthly joy I craved, sought peace and rest. Now thee alone I seek, give what is best. This all my prayer shall be, more love, O Christ, to thee, more love to thee, more love to thee, and the last. Then shall my latest breath whisper thy praise. This be the parting cry my heart shall raise. This still its prayer shall be, more love, O Christ, to thee, more love to thee, more love to thee. Well, good evening. Welcome to our live stream, uh, Wednesday night Bible study and prayer meeting. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, I must confess in opening tonight that uh, I feel a little bit sad about not seeing fellow church members here tonight. I'm glad that we have our song leader and our sound guy, our sound guy who's now promoted to video guy. It's, it's good to have them here, but uh, at the same time tonight, it's sad to not be able to be together tonight. So I want to let our church family know that I miss you tonight. Uh, it's been good to speak by phone, to catch up with you by phone. I'm glad for that technology also. I was wondering today how, how much more difficult it would be if we didn't have the telephone uh, by which to connect. So uh, I'm glad uh, to be able to have spoken with many of you by phone this week. Let's please continue to try to stay uh, connected uh, during this time. Let's go ahead and open in prayer tonight. We certainly want to stay uh, to remain connected with him. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you tonight, Lord, for uh, the technology that we have. Lord, the technology that allows us to study together online tonight. Uh, Father, for the telephone that allows us to stay connected by voice and uh, to continue encouraging each other, Father. Uh, and, and to encourage people in, in the things of God. Lord, I, I thank you tonight for your words, and I thank you for the fact that they're unchanging in a world filled with so much change. God, I thank you again tonight that you're a God who uh, remains unchanging tonight in a world filled with so much uh, change and trial and difficulties tonight. Lord, I thank you that you are there for us. Father, I pray as we sing and study together tonight that our hearts would be encouraged, uh, that our minds would be focused upon you, and our hearts would be yielded before you. Lord, work in these next few minutes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
We'll turn in our hymnals to number 323. Number 323, we'll sing Verily, Verily. First, second, and last again of number 323, Verily, Verily. Oh, what a Savior that he died for me. From condemnation he hath made me free. He that believeth on the Son, saith he, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. All my iniquities on him were laid, all my indebtedness by him was paid. All who believe on him, the Lord hath said, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true, hath everlasting life. And the last. Though all unworthy, yet I will not doubt. For him that cometh, he will not cast out. He that believeth, all oh, the good news shout, hath everlasting life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, verily, message ever new. He that believeth on the Son, tis true hath everlasting life. Truly, truly, praise God. Let's take our Bibles tonight, please, and turn uh, with me, if you would, please, to Joshua chapter 24. I hope if you're watching tonight that you have a Bible ready to go. Uh, and you're uh, ready, able, and willing to turn with us uh, here tonight to the final chapter of Joshua. Uh, if you've been uh, attending services here or with us online last week, you know that we've been making our way through the book of Joshua, uh, and now tonight we come to the very end. Uh, we come to the end of the book of Joshua. Uh, here over the next week and uh, several weeks, we'll be transitioning over to uh, the book of Judges, so you can get reading ahead and be ready uh, for a new study in Judges, Lord willing, beginning a week from tonight. But uh, tonight, uh, tonight we come to Joshua uh, chapter 24, the final chapter in the book of Joshua. Uh, it is the very final chapter of the life of Joshua. Uh, as we saw last week, Joshua had gathered the people together and uh, he made it clear that his, his days were drawing to an end, and he had some final words uh, from the Lord, importantly, for the people. Uh, and tonight we see more of the same, more of the final words of Joshua uh, as his life is uh, drawing to a close now in this chapter. I want to begin tonight a little bit differently than we normally do and encourage you to look down with me, ask you uh, if you would look down with me at verse 14. Uh, the verses leading up to verse 14 are going to all kind of drive to uh, this point. God's going to say some things, 
And then on the basis of what he says to the people through Joshua, uh, he's going to ask them to do some things. See that here with me in verse 14. Uh, Here the Lord says through Joshua, his spokesman, uh, picture Joshua now at the end of his life. He's and, more than 100 years old, 110 evidently at this point. God is using him to deliver this message. And based on what, it, what we're going to see, the Lord says this. He says, now, verse 14, therefore, uh, three things here. Fear the Lord. Secondly, serve him. How? With sincerity and in truth. And then thirdly, he says, basically, sanctify yourselves. Put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye, all of you, the Lord. So everything that the Lord is going to have Joshua say uh, in verses 1 through 13 is going to be the basis for the Lord to make this uh, threefold command, to issue this threefold command Uh, here in verse 14. So what I want to do now is go back, we'll look at verse 1, and we'll we'll trace it up to verse 14, and uh, observe here the basis. Uh, What what grounds did God lay down as the the basis or the context upon which he issues that threefold uh, command? So join me here, if you would, tonight uh, in verse 1. Joshua Uh, 24 and verse 1. So again, we see the people have been gathered uh, by Joshua, evidently at the Lord's command. The Bible says here, uh, and Joshua, Joshua 24, 1, and Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. Now remember, that's the place right there in the heart of the land. Uh, That's where God has had the tabernacle to be erected. Uh, He he calls the people from uh, out out of their homes. He calls everyone to uh, this place, to Shechem. He called for the elders of Israel and for their heads, the Bible says, uh, and for their judges uh, and for their officers. Uh, And see this next phrase. They presented themselves not before Joshua, not bowing down to Joshua, uh, but rather before God. Uh, Joshua has called the people at the Lord's instruction to come to the place of the Lord's special presence. Uh, They come now presenting themselves not to Joshua, uh, but to God. And and tonight I want us to be reminded that we don't serve a pastor. Uh, We don't humble ourselves or bow ourselves before a pastor. Uh, We don't don't, um, separate ourselves from sin in order to please the pastor. Uh, We do that for the Lord. The Lord is the one who uh, is our creator. He's the one who is uh, our savior. He's the one who has uh, called us to serve him. So uh, I believe we'll see here before the night is over that uh, God's intention here is to be sure that as Joshua is coming to the end of his life, uh, the people are prepared for that. They're not losing their God. Uh, They're not losing the one who they worship and serve. They're losing a leader that God had called to serve in a place of human leadership for a period of time only. So uh, that's important tonight. I believe that that's part of God's purpose here at the end of Joshua's life to make sure the people are looking to the Lord going forward, uh, not just to the Lord's spokesman. In any event, Joshua at this point remains the Lord's spokesman, uh, human leader of the people, and he's about here to deliver this very final message 
that the Lord has him to deliver. Let's jump in back in and see verse 2. Joshua, and Joshua said unto all the people, he says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Hey, this is not what I'm saying. This is what God is saying. Uh, so be sure you pay attention. You're, you're hearing me talk, but these are God's words. He says, Your fathers... Uh, dwelt on the other side of the flood. So not the other side of the Jordan geographically, but he's referring uh, back the other side of the timeline, uh, the other side of the flood of Genesis. Uh, he's going to begin retracing their history and reminding them about all that God has done from way back on the timeline to the other side of the flood, uh, to Egypt, to the wilderness, to beyond, until the day that he was speaking in. He's going to be rehearsing what God, not what Joshua has done for the people as their human leader, but what God has done for them as their God. Joshua said unto the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, uh, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. Now, that's probably a reference back in Genesis 31, uh, where Laban evidently was worshiping images that he called his gods. You may remember that account. So uh, back there in time, uh, back there in, in that day, there was some error in that men had uh, fallen at times into worshiping false gods. God doesn't desire that. He's, uh, he's going to call the people away from uh, any of them that have given themselves over to that kind of error. The Lord will call them uh, out of that error to worship him alone. Now see, see here verse th uh, 3, forgive me, verse 3. Uh, the Lord through Joshua reviews how he worked, how he worked, God worked, in Abraham's life. The Bible says in verse 3, And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, back there in time, and led him throughout all the land of Canaan. Remember, Joshua had been there. Uh, uh, forgive me, Abraham had been there in the land, and uh, God promised to multiply his seed, and he did, and God gave him Isaac. And verse 4, uh, the Lord says through Joshua, And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob uh, and his children went down uh, into Egypt. So the Lord is reviewing through Joshua what he, what he has done for them uh, throughout time. Now, let's just stop tonight and consider, as, as God is reviewing here uh, for those people in that day, what he had done for their ancestors and what he was doing for them now, let's just take a moment tonight and allow that to encourage us to reflect on what God has done for us in our lives. Of course, he's done a great deal uh, for us in our lives. He's, he's saved us through the Lord Jesus Christ, his, his blood shed and his body broken there upon the cross at Calvary and made it possible for anyone who would simply come humbly and confessing, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. I've done things that offend you. Uh, Lord, I turn from that and I turn to Christ tonight and I, I place my faith in Christ to be the only way that I can be right with you. God's done that for us. He's, uh, he's provided for eternal life for us and uh, he's promised to meet our basic needs as believers. That hasn't changed tonight. So as we're looking here and seeing God rehearsing, uh, remembering, reminding the people what he had done uh, throughout their history, let's, let's be reminded that he's been a God that has worked throughout our history, uh, throughout our family history, throughout our individual lives from the moment that we were conceived and born up until 
uh, today. We'll see verse 3 here. Uh, the Lord, through Joshua, he reviews how he worked through Moses and Aaron and how the Lord brought the people out of Egypt. He says in verse, uh, forgive me, verse 5, I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them, and afterward I brought you out. God was able to work uh, uh, in Egypt and ultimately to convince Pharaoh to let the people go when they were back there in Egypt. And of course, God is a God who's still able to do mighty works like that uh, today, protecting his people, providing for us, bringing us out of great difficulties. God's still uh, able to do that. Uh, before we move on, I, I think we would be remiss tonight if we didn't notice this word plagued uh, there in verse 5. Uh, Lord says, I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued uh, Egypt. Uh, the Lord plagued, he says that he plagued Egypt. Uh, that's a reference, of course, back to the, uh, the, many, the many trials, the plagues that God uh, put upon, exercised upon Pharaoh uh, and Egypt before he brought the people out of Egypt into the wilderness and then into the promised land. Uh, God used many trials, many plagues. Uh, some of them physical. Uh, if you uh, have your Bible and turn back to Exodus chapter 9 real fast, uh, let's see here. God is a God who was able to use a physical trial that touched all the people, uh, all the Egyptian people uh, and, and uh, their animals uh, in the land uh, with blains or boils. Uh, God has used in the past, in the Bible, uh, physical trials uh, to uh, encourage people to do his will. We see here in Exodus 9, verse 9, uh, the Bible says it shall become, this is back in Egypt, uh, back in that context that we've just described, it shall become small dust in the land of all Egypt and uh, shall be a boil breaking forth with blains upon man and upon beast uh, throughout all the land of Egypt. And they took ashes of the furnace and stood before Pharaoh and Moses sprinkled it up toward heaven and it became a boil uh, breaking forth with blains upon man uh, and upon beasts. And the Bible says here the magicians uh, of Egypt could not stand before Moses because of the boils for the boil was upon the magicians and upon all the Egyptians. Uh, God used that physical trial, that, that plague of a physical trial to reveal himself to the Egyptians, a people who had uh, false gods and who were given over to uh, false worship. Why'd God do that? He revealed himself. He, he desired to reveal himself and his power to those people at that time. Uh, Exodus 14 and verse 4 says, God did that so the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. He had that purpose of revealing himself through uh, national trial of affliction. And um, we understand tonight God has purposes for trials like this. We understand tonight as our nation uh, is facing uh, the, the, the trial of the coronavirus and, and COVID-19, the disease that it causes, you know, God has purposes for allowing that tonight. We need not fear this. Uh, we need to pray, God, use this. God, use this any way you desire. You've used uh, plagues in the past to accomplish your will. Uh, Lord, if that's your will in our world, 
uh, here, uh, this side of the flood, uh, 2020. Uh, Lord, if that's your desire in our world tonight, accomplish whatever you desire. If you desire the attention of people, Lord, uh, get their attention. If you desire to save people through this, Lord, cause them to be willing to consider their eternal destinies and use us to share the gospel. Lord, if you're calling Christians back to a closer walk with you, uh, do that. Uh, God, work in the trial today uh, exactly as you did back in the trial of Moses' day uh, to accomplish your will uh, in that time. Well, God's rehearsing that sort of history with the people uh, and reminding them what a great God he is and all that he has done for them uh, to provide uh, for them through this wonderful supernatural uh, action of God. Well, next in verse 6 and 7, uh, through Joshua, the Lord reviews how he protected them in the wilderness. He used those plagues uh, to bring the people out of Egypt, and then they are brought out into the wilderness. God was there. I want you to just keep seeing here the, the language, uh, the language that emphasizes God's actions. Uh, verse 6 says, it's the Lord uh, speaking through Joshua. So the Lord is speaking here. It's, verse 6 says, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt. God did that. And ye came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And you remember, of course, the great miracle that God did there at the Red Sea. Our God is a God who was able to do miracles like parting the Red Sea and allowing the people to pass through and then drowning Pharaoh's army. He's a God who's unchanged and still able to do miracles like this. Verse 7 records, when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them and your eyes have seen what I have done, the Lord says, in Egypt and ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season. Now I understand, Brother Ray, that God corrected his people there in the wilderness. They could have made a very short, quick trip through the wilderness into the promised land. They, they doubted God and they tempted God and they needed correction. So uh, yes, God corrected them there, but he also protected them there. Uh, he's a God who corrects when, when we need correction. He's a God who protects when we need protection. Uh, God, of course, is a very able protector of his people. Uh, in Psalm 18 and verse 2, the psalmist says this, and uh, I suspect tonight you might know this verse. The Bible says there, the Lord is my rock. Say it with me at home if you like. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust my buckler, a buckler is a protector, uh, and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. Uh, a high tower is a safe place, a place of protection from enemies. God is all of that. Uh, he is our protector. He was for the people there in the wilderness. Uh, he is today a protector, a very able, omnipotent, uh, everywhere present protector of his people, and he will continue to be that. So let's trust him. Let's trust him to be our God through difficult days like this. If you're having trouble trusting God to get you through this trial, I encourage you tonight, simply pray, God, I'm, I'm having trouble trusting you to get me through this. Uh, God, help me to. God, I confess that. Help me to trust you. God, help me to, to be encouraged to trust you tonight through this review of all that you've done for your people in the past. God, help me to see that you're a God who was 
able to do that type of miraculous uh, exercise back uh, in the days of Pharaoh and Moses and the wilderness and coming into Joshua's time. Lord, you're a God who's still able to work mightily uh, in my life. Pray that. And let's be further encouraged as we read on here tonight. Uh, here in verse 8, the Lord continues to recount his working in the history of his people. Uh, he's the God, he says, that gave them victory over the Amorites and the Moabites and Balaam. These are bad guys. Uh, first, in verse 8, see God's action uh, on their behalf when they face the Amorites. And I want you to, again to notice the language. God says, I did this, I did this, I did this. Uh, he's not a prideful God. He's a God who just wants them uh, to be reminded what he has done for them. This is intended to encourage their faithfulness going forward to a God who has been able to and who has accomplished all of this for them. Uh, see verse 8. He says, and first I, I brought you into the land of the Amorites. God did that, uh, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. Not the, the side they're in now, but the other side. And they fought with you. So they knew needed some protection. So the verse continues, and, and secondly, God says, I gave, I gave them into your hand. I gave them over to you uh, in a victory uh, that you might possess their land. And thirdly, God says, I destroyed them uh, from before you. Uh, God brought them to the place uh, where he wanted them to be at that time. God protected them. God provided a victory for them. He guided them there. He protected them there. He gave them everything that they would need there. He's that kind of a God. He's able to do that for his people, and he does that for his people. He's a God who can be trusted. Uh, he's a God that could be trusted in Moses' day, in Joshua's day, uh, and today. God, help us to trust you. God, help us to trust you. God, help us to be encouraged that you're a God who is powerful and able to do what we need from you. The Lord continues, and he, he just continues to layer upon encouragement and upon encouragement, layer upon layer uh, of encouragement here. And I, and I hope that's what you'll take from this part of the chapter tonight. God is a mighty God. He is able. He does for his people. Uh, he protects when we need it. Verse 9, uh, here we see the uh, reference to the account of Balak and Balaam. We saw this recently uh, back in our study through Numbers. Then verse 9, Balak, the son of Zippor, the king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. Uh, in verse 10, the Lord says, but I would not hearken unto Balaam. I wouldn't have it. I wouldn't hear it. I wouldn't allow it. Uh, he says, therefore, he blessed you still. Uh, his desire was to curse you, but I would not allow him to do that. I caused him to bless you. We have a God who has that kind of power. He says, so I delivered you, end of verse 10. I delivered you out of his hand. The enemies of God's people were not able to prevail against the people because their God, who is our God, who has not changed, uh, would not permit it. He's a strong God. He's able to protect us whenever he chooses. Um, trust him. Ask him to help you trust him. 
So we see here tonight that God worked to bring the people safely out of Egypt. He protected them in the wilderness. He guided them into the promised land. He continued to protect them where they were. Uh, see verse 11. Uh, the Lord continues to remind them of his history working on their behalf. He says in verse 11, And ye went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. We've seen that here recently. And the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, bad guys, and the Perizzites, bad guys, and the Canaanites, more bad guys, uh, and the Hittites, uh, and the Girgashites, uh, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, all bad guys, all enemies of God's people. The Lord says at the end of this verse, I delivered them into your hand. Yes, they had to go out and do battle as God led them to, but God gave them the victory that they needed at that time. He's a powerful God. He's a God who can be trusted. Verse 12, I, I love it. God uh, reminds them how he used a small thing at times to give them victory. Uh, he says, I sent a hornet before you. That's a tiny little thing which drave them out, uh, which drove them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword nor with thy uh, bow. Uh, you didn't use your sword. You didn't use your bow. God used a tiny little thing to accomplish what he desired to accomplish. Boy, uh, Zachary, that reminds me tonight that God is sovereign over his entire creation. He can use a tiny little thing to accomplish a great big thing for his people when he chooses to. God, thank you. Help me to trust you. Lord, help me to be encouraged that you are trustworthy. Uh, Lord, help me to be encouraged that you are God worthy of my love and obedience and service and certainly my trust. See, in verse 13, God reminds them when they came into the land, he says, I have given you a land. God gave them the land that he promises. God is a God who keeps promises. He says, which ye did not labor. You didn't labor uh, to get the land or to build cities. He says, and cities which you built not. They were already built. God gave them into the hands of his people when they came into the land. He says, and ye dwell in them. He says, of the vineyards and olive yards, which ye, which, uh, ye planted uh, not, which ye planted not. You didn't plant them. Uh, do ye eat? God gave them over to his people. They didn't build those cities. They didn't plant those gardens. God gave them to his people. Now, Brother Ray, I'm reminded tonight that God can meet our needs any way he desires. Uh, he knew that those people would need a place to live when they came into the land. God gave them cities that were already built. Uh, he knew that they would need food to eat. God gave them fields, uh, olive yards that had already been planted. Uh, they, were, they were there provided to the people. They didn't do that. God did that. Uh, of course, God often provides for us our needs today by giving us work that we can do to have our needs met through, but God does that. Uh, in the days that uh, are referred to here in verse 13, God, God just gave the people what they needed when they needed it. God promises today to continue to meet the basic needs of those who come to Christ uh, and seek his righteousness. He's a God who's worthy of our trust. He's a God who's worthy of our love. He's a God who's worthy of our obedience. He's a God who's worthy of our service. God help us to be in the business of all of those things. Now, it's on the basis of everything that we see here that we now arrive back at verse 14, uh, based on this wonderful reminder that God gave the people through Joshua. Uh, God says, listen, this is what I've done for you. 
Now this is what I ask of you. God has done a great deal, and he's just reviewed all of that uh, succinctly, um, a lot more succinctly than I did. God says, I've done all this for you. Now here's what I require of you. I ask you tonight as you see this verse once again, uh, is God asking too much here? Is God asking too much here? I say not. What do you say? In verse 14, uh, the Lord says through Joshua again, he says, now, therefore, based on everything I just said, uh, three things here. Number one, fear the Lord. Uh, consider all that I've done for you. And, and based on that, I'm commanding you to fear the Lord. Back in Deuteronomy 13, the Lord said something very uh, similar. Uh, Deuteronomy 13 says, Ye shall walk after the Lord your God uh, and fear him. Uh, fear him, keep his commandments and obey his voice. And ye shall serve him and cleave, join close, uh, close unto him. That's Deuteronomy 13 and, and verse 4. Uh, God is a God who is worthy of all of those things. He's a God who has done so much for us. He's a God who, if he says, if he commands, fear me, uh, he's worthy of our obedience. He deserves uh, our obedience. Listen, tonight, uh, throughout the world, the world is filled with fear. Uh, people are fearing about their finances. They're fearing about their physical well-being. Uh, they're fearing about friendships, not being able to spend time uh, with people. People have a great deal of fear tonight. But I'll remind us again tonight that there's only one thing in Scripture the Lord commands us to fear, and that's the Lord himself. God says, fear me. We understand tonight, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, we are called to have a, a spiritually healthy fear of God. And over and over again, the, the Lord says, fear nothing else. Fear not. Don't fear this. Don't fear, fear that. We are called to fear God alone. And truly tonight, truly, if we fear God the way we should, we do not have anything else to fear. So the, the first thing that God says here in verse 14 is, fear me. He goes on and he says, serve him. Uh, Joshua says, serve him. Of course, God is worthy of our service. Uh, of course, that's a major part of, of why we're here uh, on this earth, this side of heaven. Uh, we are here to serve the Lord. Uh, part of that is to serve each other, and that's especially important right now. Uh, call each other, encourage each other, meet each other's practical needs to the extent that you can. Uh, to do that is to serve the Lord. We have many ways still that we can be in the business of serving God, even if we're not assembling at the church and carrying out our ministries here in the church, we can continue uh, to serve the Lord, serve each other, look for opportunities to share the gospel, and take advantage of those opportunities. The Lord says serve him two ways here in verse 14. Uh, first, in sincerity, not insincerity, but with or in sincerity. Uh, Dr. Sorensen, uh, who preached here not that long ago, notes the underlying word here suggests that uh, the word means completeness, uh, forgive me, completeness, or in entirety, or entirely. He says the thought is to serve the Lord altogether with all of their hearts. Serve him with sincerity. Put your whole self into it. Be reminded tonight that we don't have time just to sit around at home doing nothing. 
Uh, even if we can't do much but sit, we can still pray, we can still call and encourage people, we can send emails, we can send texts, we can be mailing out those tracts that we've sent to you. If you receive tracts from us this week, please ask us if you'd like more. Uh, another thousand of them will come within a day or so. Uh, we have them ready to go. We encourage you to use them. I don't want to send out, uh, you know, a hundred to everyone unless uh, you, you ask for them because you intend to use them. But, but please uh, pray, Lord, how would you like me to serve you uh, right now uh, during this trial, during this crisis? Give me a heart to put my whole being into serving you, uh, even when I can't be at church. And then lastly, we see here in verse 14, based on everything that God has said, uh, he wants the people to be sanctified, to be set apart from sin, to certainly be set aside from serving other gods. Uh, he says, I'm in Egypt, uh, forgive me, and uh, forgive me, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. Take great care that your singular focus uh, in your worship is upon the Lord. Take care that we're not living to serve ourselves. Uh, certainly, if you're a person who has been dabbling with any kind of false faith, come away from that. Ask God to help you to put that off. Uh, come apart from that. Come to the one true God. Now, Joshua recognizes that um, anytime God gives a command or three commands, as he's done here, there's a choice that we have to make. Brother Ray, we can choose to obey that command, or we can choose to say what? Nuh-uh. God, I'm not going to do it. And sometimes people just don't say anything. They hear God's command, but they don't really consider it. They don't consider their response they don't answer. They don't formulate an intention in their mind to obey. Uh, and therefore, they probably uh, enter into or continue in uh, disobedience. You need to understand tonight, if you don't determine to obey God in his strength, you're probably defaulting to uh, not obeying, disobedience, sin. Joshua understands when God gives a command... We all have a choice. Will we obey or disobey? I want you to see this here in verse 15. Uh, he says here in verse 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve God. If it seems like a hard thing or not a good thing, if it seems like a bad thing, a terrible thing, he says, choose you this day whom you will serve. You know, if you're not going to serve the Lord, who are you going to serve? Decide. Decide for yourself now. Maybe you're going to serve yourself. Maybe your decision is, you know, I'm not interested in serving God. I'm just going to serve myself. I'm going to live for me, live for my pleasure, get it wherever, however I can get it, whoever I get it with, I'm going to just serve me. That's a choice. It's a terrible choice, but it's a choice. Joshua says, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, remember Laban back there in Genesis, that were on the other side of the flood in time, or the gods of the Amorites, they got their gods, and there's all kinds of gods in the world today, in whose land you dwell. Then Joshua famously says this, and you may have a plaque that has this next phrase, this part of the verse. Uh, you may have a plaque in your home that, that says this. Uh, we do. He says this, but as for me and my house, we will what? 
We will serve the Lord, the one true God, Jehovah God. We're not going to serve ourselves. We're not going to serve any other gods. We're going to serve the one true God. Me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Well, praise God for that. Praise God for a man who would make that choice. Praise God for a man who would lead his family uh, in living out that choice. That's the right choice. Uh, praise God for this example. In the next several verses, the people answer. Uh, they appreciated all that God had done. They assert they will uh, choose to serve the Lord as, as Joshua. The people, verse 16, answered uh, and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Uh, verse 17, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up uh, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage in which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people who, through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore, they say, we will, therefore will we also serve the Lord for he is our God. Well, praise God, that remains true today. Uh, if the Lord is your God, you need to make it your business to serve him. Consider what he's done for you. Uh, God the Father sent his only begotten son to die for you. Uh, God the Father has uh, invested himself in your life. The Holy Spirit has been sent to indwell us uh, individually and personally. Uh, the Lord invests himself in, in meeting our needs. He is most certainly willing of our, uh, worthy, worthy of our service. God help us to be in the business of serving you even when we can't be at church to do so. Joshua warns the people in the next couple of verses that uh, there'd be judgment if they served other gods. In verse 21, the people reiterate that they will serve the Lord. Uh, Joshua commanded them to turn from false gods. In verses 22 and 23, apparently there were some uh, who, who were worshiping false gods. He says, you need to turn from them. You need to repent. You need to forsake that. Come back to the one true God. Listen, tonight, you may not be worshiping, actively worshiping some kind of false God or actively practicing some kind of false faith, but if you're living for yourself instead of the Lord, there is a self-idolatry in your life, and that is something to be repented of. If your life is more about serving you than serving God, you need to pray, God, give me grace to put off this self-interest and to put on a greater interest in living for you and serving you. Uh, the people proclaim their good intentions in verse 24, and I hope tonight that would be your intention too. Well, in the closing parts of the chapter, Joshua erects a memorial to the place where this final message is given. Uh, he records the words that were given. Uh, he allows the people to depart. And then in verse 29 and 30, Joshua dies. In verse 32, the bones of Joseph are buried here at the tail end uh, of the chapter. And it's worth, it's worth just saying a couple words about that in closing tonight. Uh, in verse 32, the bones of Joseph, uh, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem. Uh, it's interesting, just like Joshua, Joseph lived to be 110. The Bible records that. Uh, back in Genesis 50 and verse 25, uh, as Joseph was dying, he says... Uh, hey, take when, uh, when you leave here and go into uh, another place, uh, take my bones and bury them there. What's so significant about that? Joseph, all the way back in his day in Egypt, 
had a great confidence that God would deliver the people from that place to the place where he would have them to be. Joseph had a great faith, a great confidence, and therefore asked that he'd be buried not where he was, but where the people would ultimately be delivered to by their God. That was a great confidence that Joseph had in God, and uh, that's the confidence tonight that we can have in him. He's a God who delivers his people from great trials and great persecutions. He's a God that strengthens his people to get through those great trials uh, and tribulations. He's a God who is a God who promises to be with his people, to never leave us nor forsake us when we are still in the midst of trials like we are tonight. I encourage you tonight to stay close to him. Pray, God, help me to draw close to you. God, be with me tonight. Help me not to slip away from you, but to be encouraged by the things that we've seen tonight, to be encouraged in a closer walk to you by the things that we've seen tonight. Uh, Lord, to have a great confidence in you and to be prayerful. Uh, God, to bring my fears and concerns and worries to you and to trust that you're a God who hears those prayers uh, and that you're a God who is able and faithful to answer those prayers. Let's stop there tonight and pray. Father, I thank you tonight so much, Lord. You're a God who is able to protect your people. You're a God who has proven himself to be trustworthy throughout time, consistently. Yes, Lord, you do allow trials, but when you do, you do that for a great purpose. God, you're allowing trials in our life tonight. I pray once again tonight, help us not to question you, but rather to trust you. You've proven yourself trustworthy. Lord, you've shown yourself powerful throughout all of time. God, you're the God who spoke creation into existence. God, you're a God who is indwelling us tonight, a powerful, mighty God who is our buckler, our protector. Lord, when I'm afraid, help me to bring my fears to you. God, when I have a practical need, whether it's financial or any practical need, help us to bring that to you and trust you to provide as you've promised. God, when we're lonely tonight, uh, struggling with various levels of, of quarantine and, and separation from others, I pray that you would be there with us as you've promised and help us to remember that. Lord, we're never alone. You're always there. You promise to never leave us nor forsake us. God, I'm thankful. I love you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight for this message. Uh, Zach is going to come and lead us in a closing song. Uh, if you're part of our church, you have an email that uh, will show you how to come into our online prayer time. Uh, here in the next several minutes, uh, we'll meet you there. Uh, thanks again for being with us. God bless. All right, we'll take our hymn books and turn to number 219. We'll sing all three verses of I've Got Peace Like a River, number 219. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul. I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river, I've got peace like a river in my soul. 
I've got love like an ocean, I've got love like an ocean, I've got love like an ocean in my soul. I've got love like an ocean, I've got love like an ocean, I've got love like an ocean in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity uh, to look into your word. I pray you'd bless our time of prayer now, in Jesus' name I pray, amen.